Good morning, everyone. Good to, good to see you. Good to be here. Welcome. Um, and uh, welcome to those on Zoom as well. Good to have you with us. Um, just a couple of notices. Um, the prayer meeting is back on tomorrow morning at 9.30. Everyone welcome for that. And the coffee stop is back 9.30 as well uh, tomorrow. Uh, all the home groups are back this week. Um, and... Uh, yeah, this, uh, we've got a worship event uh, coming up, worship night, uh, which Ab Abby is uh, organising, Saturday the 29th of April, any time from 7 o'clock. I think the idea is that this is kind of, you, can, you don't have to stay for the, the, the whole uh, evening, you can sort of come and go as you like, but there'll be some, there'll be prayer, singing, um, there'll be flags available, dance, um, sort of painting, whatever, whatever, however people want to express themselves in worship, there'll be an opportunity uh, to do that. So that's 7 p.m. Saturday the 29th, and that's open to absolutely everybody to come in. And uh, if you can only come for an hour or half an hour, that's fine. Or if you can come for the, the, the whole evening, then that's great. But uh, just feel free to come and go anytime from 7 um, on the 29th. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. There's, uh, I'm not sure I've got anything else, uh, really. Let's uh, let let's pray and come before God in uh, as we uh, prepare to worship. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the lion. Um, thank you that you 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 roar as a lion roars. That you are the 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 powerful sovereign God who fights uh, our battles and defeats our enemies. But Jesus. You're also the lamb. You are both the lion and the lamb. You fight our battles and you destroy the work of the enemy, but not through military means, but through being, becoming the sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world at the cross. You laid down your life. You sacrificed yourself. You emptied yourself of all but love and you defeated Satan and sin and death at the cross. And you triumphed over the dark powers and the evil forces when you died and you rose again, breaking the power and curse of sin and death. And so we're here to celebrate, Jesus, your victory. We're here because you are both the lion in your power and sovereign glory, but you're also the, lion, the, the lamb who sacrifices for us at the cross. And so we come with awe and wonder again in our hearts. And we, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come among us in power. Move in our midst. We long for an encounter with the risen and glorified Christ again today. So, Holy Spirit, we say you are welcome here. Move in power among us. Enable us to encounter you, Jesus, today in your risen glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, let's stand to worship Christ, both the lion and the lamb. Declare his praise. Who can stop the Lord? Oh. 
slave for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Brilliance, the King of Glory, the King of 
list of things that you've done for us and the bible tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving so let's just start bringing to mind things that the father has done for us who he's made away Put me back together 
into graves, into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. were in a locked room when Jesus appeared among them, saying, Please be unto you, as the Father has sent me, so do I send you. When told of this event, Thomas refused to believe. Eight days later, all the disciples were in the same locked room when Jesus appeared again, saying to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, and feel my side. Do not be faithless, Thomas replied, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, have you believed just before because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Thank you, Lord, for your word. you Jesus Christ. Amen. Good to have uh, our visitors from South Africa, Andrew and Heidi, Edward and Joni with us. Hi, good to see you guys. Give us a wave, the back there. Hi, good to have you with us, says Andrew. Bye, Andrew. Um, we got the offering. Someone got the offering plate. Can pray for that now. Yeah, thanks, Mary. Let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, uh, you, you bring transformation. 
and uh, thank you that you are alive and risen and ascended and you've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit, a deposit, a guarantee until we inherit heaven, new heaven and a new earth, until we inherit new resurrection bodies and live with you in eternity. Jesus, these gifts seem um, a trivial offering to you in the light of all that you've done for us. You've saved us, you've forgiven us, you've adopted us into your family. You've given us a guarantee of eternal life and you've given us an eternal inheritance that can never spoil, fade or perish, kept in heaven for us. And so, Lord, please receive this money as our token of thanksgiving and bless it and use it that others might come to know with Thomas, my Lord and my God. And so, Lord, we pray for the, the children as they go out and learn together. Pray for your blessing on them and their teachers that they would grow in Christ just as we look to grow here. In Jesus' name, amen. So if any of the kids want to go out, then you're, you're welcome. George is uh, going out. <laughs> Can I ask the, uh, the service, the communion service to come forward? Thank you. Noel is going to, oh, hello. Noel is going to lead us in a prayer of thanks for the bread and the wine. Thanks, Noel. Let's pray. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Man of sorrow, man of grief, it was for us that you stepped into the, the horror of bearing our sins. It is incomprehensible that you would take our places and plead for our lives. Words cannot express our gratitude and thanks. We who deserve death has been given the gift of eternal life at the cost of your precious blood. Lord Jesus, we stand in awe and wonder for all that you have done for us. These simple everyday elements of bread and wine before us remind us of your body, which was broken and blood which was shed for us on the cross. Lord Jesus, as we share this bread and wine, we proclaim your perfect sacrifice made once for all for the forgiveness of our sins, your resurrection from the dead and your ascension into heaven. As we wait for your return in glory, we give you thanks and praise for accepting us into your family. Thank you for the covenant fellowship that we have with you and with one another. 
Lord Jesus, we worship you. Amen. Thank you, Noel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We will uh, hold on to our cups and all drink together.
So we drink this with thanksgiving that Christ's blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. Opportunity now for time of open prayer. We pray for those within our fellowship who need a touch of Christ's grace and mercy and help, but also thinking of the, the worldwide persecuted church and also the needs of, of the world. So as the Spirit leads you, uh, please lead us. And if you're on Zoom, please feel free to unmute and to share in prayer too. Um, to lift Tony before you and the family, Lord, as they make preparations, all the uh, administration, planning of, of the services and all the other things that need to be done, the bank accounts and everything else. Lord, these are difficult times. The journey of grief is, is, is difficult and uh, testing, to say the least. So, Lord, I, I do pray for your mercy and grace and help and comfort for Tony and for Claire and uh, Paul and uh, all of their partners and children. Lord, as they make this difficult journey, Jesus, draw near to them with your comfort, your strength, your peace, and help them, Lord, to journey forward. And Lord, I pray that through this difficult journey that uh, those who do not yet know you in the family would be drawn closer to Jesus the source of hope and life. In his name, amen.
remember Tony, we also remember Katie and the family there, the funeral coming up on the 27th. Lord, again, we pray. We pray for comfort, strength, and peace. Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work in them too. Uh, Lord, um, pray for Katie especially, Lord, as she is the Christian witness in that family. Lord, that your peace uh, would emanate through her, that she would be Christ uh, to her family members. And that again, Lord, through this experience of grief look, and uh, through the way that uh, Katie <coughs> handles it, Lord, that Jesus would be made known in that family and people would draw closer to him in Jesus' name. Amen. circumstances, for those who are just feeling crushed by life, we lift them to you and we pray, Lord, that you will shine the light of your love to illuminate the darkest corners, that you will bring hope, take hopelessness away and bring hope and love into their lives. Thank you, Lord. You look at your word now together as we hear it read as we listen to it explained we ask Holy Spirit that we would encounter the risen Christ again today just as those disciples including Thomas encountered the risen Christ Lord that's our prayer today that we, we would meet with you and we would be changed Lord I pray for those who are not yet uh, not yet believers, that you would open their eyes, their hearts, their ears to see and respond to the risen Christ. But I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would be overawed, overjoyed, overwhelmed again by your risen presence through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Some reading from uh, John chapter 20 and verses uh, 24 to 31. Now Thomas called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, I don't know what you think about Thomas, doubting Thomas, as he's often called, isn't he? Um, I don't know whether I, some people are pleased that he's in uh, John's gospel, um, because many people have doubts. And therefore, if, if Thomas can end up proclaiming my Lord and my God, there's kind of hope for all of us, perhaps. Um, it's one way of looking at it. It's clear that Thomas loved Jesus. Um, he was with Jesus for three years. He was one of the disciples. And yet when the crisis of Jesus' death came, he found himself away from church, as it were. <laughs> he wasn't with the other disciples in the room on Easter Sunday. He wasn't in church on Easter Sunday. Um, he stayed away. And Thomas missed out on an encounter with the risen Jesus on Easter Sunday. The other disciples met Jesus and they were transformed and became spirit-filled Christians on that day when they met Jesus. Thomas missed out on all that because he wasn't there. It's possible for people to say that they believe in the resurrection of Jesus and still not have a personal faith. Um, there are plenty of people who would look at the historical facts about the resurrection and say, yes, I believe based on the evidence that Jesus was raised from the dead. In fact, in a recent survey called Talking Jesus, around 40% of Britons say that they believe in the resurrection. But even the devil believes in the resurrection and he doesn't have a personal faith in Jesus. He has a personal enmity with Jesus. So believing in the resurrection is not enough. It has to be personal. And it wasn't personal yet for Thomas, was it? He was around Jesus. It hadn't become a personal reality for him yet. It's possible to go to church, read the Bible, pray, do all the stuff that Christians do, and yet not have a personal faith in Jesus. Thomas proves it, doesn't he? Yeah. I want to look today at how Thomas moved from being a doubter to making the greatest declaration of faith in John's gospel, my Lord and my God. Um, this is not just, by the way, for people who are not yet Christians and who are searching uh, about Jesus. 
This passage is for all of us as Christians. John wrote his gospel for people who are not yet Christians to believe in Jesus for the first time. But he also wrote his gospel for those of us who are Christians to go on believing that Jesus is the son of God and to live in the fullness of that. That's why John wrote his gospel. So we're all in on the, we're all in on the gospel today. Three things I want to look at about personal faith in Jesus that are crucial for the whole of life and not just for when we first become a Christian. Maybe there should be another car sticker. Christianity is for life and not just the prayer that you pray when you become a Christian. It's a bit long, isn't it? But just a thought. Three things. First, Thomas represents doubters today. Thomas is usually known as Doubting Thomas, um, but we get other glimpses of his character in other parts of John's Gospel. In John eleven sixteen, when Thomas learns that Jesus is going to Bethany, Thomas says, quote, let us go also that we may die with him. It's optimistic, isn't it? <laughs> you could say, well, he's loyal to Jesus, he certainly sounds loyal, doesn't he? Although, wasn't there another disciple who said, Lord, I would die for you, with you. But Jesus says, hang on a minute, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. So I don't know whether Thomas would have died for Jesus or not, but he certainly seemed to be loyal, if somewhat pessimistic, <laughs> negative, cynical. When Jesus told them that he was going to prepare a place for them, do you remember that passage in John 14? I'm going to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms in my father's house. Well, that was supposed to be good news. But Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Um, and Jesus said, Thomas, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Whoever believes in me, We'll see the Father. In other words, Thomas, just trust. I'll show you the way. Walk with me. I'll get you there. Um, one commentator concludes by saying about Thomas, quote, Thomas was a loyal but somewhat unimaginative person who will act only on what he is sure of. You meet, maybe you... Maybe you were one of those people. Maybe you are one of those people. I often say to people, if, if I was to answer every single one of your questions that you have about God, about suffering and the Trinity and the resurrection and everything else, all the difficult, would you believe? And they still end up saying, probably not. People's barriers to faith are often not really based on difficult questions. They're often based on pastoral personal issues. They've been hurt in the past. They've had a bad experience of church in the past. And so they built a wall, a barrier around themselves. And the objections that appear to be rational ones are really coming from a place of personal hurt and disappointment and rejection of, of the church. They're often pastoral. So play the chaplain with people. 
What I mean by that is often when you get underneath the surface, people are often, often there's a story behind the rejection, the barrier. People are hurting. They've had a bad experience. So I, I often say to people, well, what's your experience of church? Warts and all. Don't be polite. You know, give them permission to tell you what their experience of church has been like. And they'll often tell you the hurt and pain that they've had. Do you know what? If you listen, you love them. If you interrupt them and say, well, our church isn't like that. You should go, cool it. They'll probably just walk away. They'll think, well, you don't love me either. Don't jump in. Let them talk. Let them share. Let them unload. Love them. Play the chaplain. Great way to do evangelism. Listen before you speak. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. Thomas wasn't there in church with the other disciples when Jesus showed up. Jesus often shows up in church. In fact, I believe he shows up every week. That's why I love coming. So well, you have to come, you're being paid. No, I come because I love coming. If I ever didn't want to come, I would question my calling. Seriously. If I ever got to the place where I thought this is a chore, I would wonder whether I'm still called to do what I do including being a Christian. It's never been a chore. It's just a joy to be in the presence of the Lord. It's not always easy, but it's a joy. Because it's the place of encounter. It's where we meet Jesus in his risen glory. It's where the Holy Spirit resides. I don't want to miss that. Thomas missed out on all that, didn't he? There are times when it's right if you're on holiday, you can't be in church. <laughs> when you experience grief and it's raw, it's right to stay away, actually. I did that when both my parents died. I couldn't be in church. It wouldn't have been right because I'd have drawn focus away from Christ. But there, when the storms of life hit and suffering comes, we need to be in church. We need to be among God's people. Thomas chose to self-reflect, and he missed out on an encounter with the risen Christ. Um, I often say, sometimes when you least feel like coming is the time when you most need to be here. It's true. Because this is where the Spirit is. The Spirit resides in the praises of God's people. He's enthroned on the praises of God's people. You want to experience God worship with his people, pray with his people. That's where you'd experience him most. I'm not saying you can't hear, you can't experience God in creation. Of course you can. But the greatest intensity of encountering the Holy Spirit and the risen Christ is when God's people gather to worship. And if you don't come, you're missing out. Thomas wouldn't even believe the testimony. His friends who told him they'd seen Jesus. Rather than accepting his friend's testimony, Thomas laid down conditions for his belief. He said, unless I can put my fingers right into the places on Jesus' hands that the nails had pierced, and unless I can put my hand into Jesus' side where the spear had been thrust, I will not believe. Because he knew that no one who, in, who had had such wounds would survive. And so if he was able to see and touch a living body that had received these wounds, 
then he might be able to just believe that this wasn't an imposter or a ghost, but it really was the Jesus who died and was risen in front of him. Thomas is the most famous doubter of ancient times, isn't he? Most pe many people today doubt the resurrection as Thomas did, probably as much on the basis of temperament as reason. Thomas was clearly the sort of temperament who paid more attention to physical facts and reality and evidence than personal witness. There are many people today who object to the, to the resurrection on rational grounds, saying dead people simply cannot come back to life. Um, the assumption is often that people in the time of Jesus were primitive and superstitious in their beliefs, that they didn't have the insights of modern science that we do, and therefore they were more likely to believe in this sort of hocus-pocus. Um, that's why many, many university departments have, have got rid of their theology departments, um, because it's Christian faith, theology based on the resurrection has been relegated to the level of myth and superstition. But we must remember that Jews at the time of Jesus did not believe in individual resurrection either. They weren't naive and superstitious. They didn't believe in resurrection either. Um, N.T. Wright has written a huge book, if you've got time, called The Resurrection of the Son of God. And he looks historically at the evidence of the resurrection and he says that most Jews at the time believed in a general resurrection of the dead at the end of the age when Messiah would come they did not believe in individual resurrections so even though in the time of Elijah and other places we see individual resurrections and people coming back to life, most Jews only believed that the dead would be raised at the very end of the age when Messiah came. They did not believe in individual resurrection. Hence Thomas's doubt. Hence the disciples needing hard evidence before they would believe. Jews did not believe in this stuff. So we are no more... Um, enlightened than they were <laughs> just because we have mod the, the insights of modern science doesn't mean that we're less superstitious than they were quite the opposite history tells us the opposite um, Thomas obviously admired and loved Jesus but he was afraid perhaps to get his hopes up the other disciples say Thomas he's alive Thomas must have been thinking look don't get my hopes up it's too painful I've been disappointed before. I don't want to be disappointed again. Do you ever, have you ever had those experiences in yourself or others where you've had your fingers burnt and you put a wall around yourself and said, I've been hurt before. I don't want to be disappointed again. So you don't allow others, including God, to get too close. I hope this, I hope if that's you this morning, that you will get prayer and healing for your heart. You know, maybe you've had a relationship. Um, that's gone wrong and you've been hurt and wounded. Maybe you've had a bad relationship with a father figure or a, a, a parent. And you've put a wall up, a barrier up, and you've said, if I get too close, I know what happens, I get hurt and wounded. And you've done that to God. You, you've not allowed God to come in. You've not allowed God to be too intimate and personal with you because you've built a barrier, a wall around yourself. If that's you this morning, 
and I'm saying this, I believe, prophetically, because it's not in my notes, then you need to get prayer. You need to receive healing. Thomas was one of those, I think. He got cynical and put a barrier up, skeptical. He didn't want to be disappointed again. He'd been hurt once, he didn't want to be hurt again. And the other, the other application is this. Don't give up on people who have barriers to belief. Some of you have been praying for family members, friends, work colleagues, neighbours for decades, and they still haven't got there in faith. Well, Thomas, doubting Thomas, ends up proclaiming, my Lord and my God. The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, the man who was persecuting and killing Christians, met the risen Christ and became the greatest missionary of all time. We have a God who tends to turn around people's hearts miraculously, don't we? We have a God who can break through hard hearts, disappointed hearts, wounded and hurt hearts with the risen Christ and bring transformation and new life, don't we? So don't give up praying. Keep praying. Second, how faith becomes personal. Thomas moves from being the deepest doubter to the highest faith professor. My Lord and my God. This was an astonishing thing for a Jewish man to say to any human being. The Jews were reticent to even proclaim the name of God, let alone to a human being, as Jesus was, as well as being fully God. And yet Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And when Thomas next appeared to all the disciples, including Thomas, he came directly to Thomas and he stretched out his hands and said, look, put your finger here. And he said, here's my side, put your hand into it. And Thomas responded immediately, my Lord and my God. The text doesn't tell us that Thomas actually put his finger into Jesus' hands or into his side, does it? It just, the next thing we get is my Lord and my God. Just seeing Jesus is enough. Seeing the wounds was enough. This is fascinating. Uh, one commentator, Leon Morris, writes this, uh, really interesting, quote, it is possible that it was the words of Jesus more than anything that brought conviction, for they showed that Jesus had been perfectly aware of what Thomas had laid down as his demands. How did he arrive at this knowledge unless he's been with Thomas unseen? In other words, Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed to see, even though Thomas hadn't been in the room a week before, because he's God. So Jesus comes to Thomas and says, I know what, you've, what your objections are, Thomas. You haven't told me, but I know. The disciples haven't told me, but I know your objections. I know that you said a week earlier, that you wouldn't believe unless you saw the holes in my hands and my side. Well, here you are. Here I am. Incredible, isn't it? Jesus knew Thomas inside out, even though Thomas had not been in the room a week before, because he's God. And yet he still comes to Thomas and says, 
Thomas, effectively, I love you. Stop doubting and believe. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Thomas, I'm here for you personally. Thomas, I died for you and rose for you personally. <laughs> Do you have doubts? Do you have struggles? Jesus doesn't push you away. He comes to you and he says, I love you. I died for you. I rose from you. Stop doubting and believe. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus does not condemn you if you're doubting and struggling and if, you're, if you've got anxiety about him. He just says, I love you. Here I am. I love you. Have you got family, friends, work colleagues who have barriers to faith? Jesus doesn't push them away. He comes to them when you pray for them, working in ways that you can't even understand. He knows every thought, every objection that your friends that you're praying for already have, inside out, because he's God. He knew Thomas inside out. He knows the family member, the friend, the work colleague you're praying for inside out because he formed them and knitted them together in, his, in your mother's womb. He knows their objections, their barriers. And you know what? When you pray, he's working. He's working. He's working. Do you believe that this morning? Are you prepared to go the long distance and keep praying for decades if necessary? Augustine's mother prayed for him 37 years and he finally came to faith and became one of the most influential church fathers in history. 37 years. And it was on a day when he opened, he just happened to, a Bible fell on him. It was a sitting by a wall, a Bible fell on him, opened to Romans, and he read about being justified by faith through Christ and he came to faith. God can do it however he wants to do it. God is working in ways that we cannot understand. So keep praying. Sometimes people say, yeah, but we don't get to see the nail marks in Jesus' hands and the hole in his side where the spear pierced. Well, Jesus has got an answer for you. Look at this, verse 29. Because you have seen me, he says to Thomas, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. <laughs> Isn't that great? You don't have to see the wounds in Jesus' body to believe and have a personal faith in him. Why? Because you've got the testimony of Thomas and all the other disciples written in the Bible. First-hand witnesses have passed on what they saw, touched, heard, and experienced to you personally. So what are you going to do with that information? Are you going to believe it? You say, well, hang on a minute, Thomas, he gets special treatment, doesn't he? Because he, he chose to be away from church on Easter Sunday. How come when he turns up a week later, today, that is, right? Thomas turns up today. How come Jesus comes to Thomas personally and says, Thomas, see my hands, my side, stop doubting. Isn't that special treatment, special favor? Well, no. Because Thomas has to see Christ. Thomas is an apostle. Um, apostle came up on um, one of the quiz shows the other day. That's one I got right. 
Which one was it? The chase. And it means sent one or messenger. All right, that was one I got right. Don't get many right, but I got that one right. I ought to, because I've written a thesis on it, so. <laughs> Thomas had to see the risen Christ because he was an apostle. He was sent by Jesus along with the other, the others to be a witness to his risen presence. He was sent to preach, to heal, to write the New Testament. So he had to see Jesus firsthand. So don't be jealous of Thomas. Remember, you're blessed because you've seen and you believed, even though you haven't seen Jesus' side and hands. You're blessed. Third, we need to keep on believing. This is not a case of believing in Jesus when you first become a Christian. Listen to the last two verses of John's Gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I don't know where you're at. Some of you may not yet have had that, ris that encounter with the risen Christ. Some of you have not yet um, had an encounter with Jesus where it's become real and personal for you. You can have that. You can know Christ today and have fullness of life. You can know joy, peace, the reason you were created. You can know meaning and purpose and joy if you'll come to Christ and say, I believe, come into my life, just as Thomas did. But for all of us, this is an invitation to, to enjoy life to the full. You see, the sort of um, life that Jesus came was to bring was this. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that good? Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died for your sin and my sin and rose from the grave so that you and I can know him personally and have life to the full. Oh, that's good news. We can know joy, forgiveness, friendship with God, eternal life beyond death. We can know that we're adopted children who have all the riches of heaven invested in us. We can know that when we pass on from this life, we will be in eternity, in bliss with Jesus. We can know the fullness of life that relationship with God brings in this life as well as for eternity. You see, the miraculous signs in John's gospel are signposts that point to life in all its fullness. When Jesus turned water into wine, this was a signpost that Jesus brings abundant life and joy and celebration. The healings of Jesus are signposts which point to his power over sin, sickness and death. The feeding of the 5,000 points us to Jesus, the bread of life, whose provision for us never runs out. Jesus walking on the water demonstrates his power even over the forces of nature. The healing of a man born blind points the ability to, of Jesus to open the eyes of people who are spiritually blind as well as physically blind. The resurrection of Lazarus is a signpost to the resurrection of Jesus and to the reality that one day all believers will be raised up with new glorified resurrected bodies to live in a new heaven and a new earth. 
All of these signs and miracles prove that Jesus is the eternal son of God who has power and dominion and sovereignty over the whole of creation. I don't know where you're at today, what season of life you're in, what mood you're in, what you're struggling with. But Jesus is here and he says to you today, I want you to encounter me and have life, life in all its fullness. Isn't that great? He wants you to know peace, joy, meaning, purpose, so that you can cry out with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Thomas was transformed from being a doubter to making that wonderful profession of faith where he was overawed and overjoyed and overwhelmed in the presence of Jesus. Do you want some of that? I know I do. I want to be overwhelmed, overjoyed, overawed with Jesus. He can do that through his spirit because he's here with us. Let's stand in the presence of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us here today. And thank you that you make the risen Christ real to each one of us. Lord, I pray for those who still have questions and barriers to faith. Lord, help them to seek you out today. And Lord, I pray that you would work in their lives. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here who has a particular uh, desire to ask questions, that they would do so that they would talk to people and find out more about you. And Jesus, I pray for those who are hurting, those who have put up barriers and walls to intimacy with you, that they would seek out prayer with you. But Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and fill us afresh this morning so that we would be overawed, overjoyed and overwhelmed and transformed again by the presence of the risen Christ working in us and through us. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came to have life, came to bring life, life in all its fullness. Come and fill us afresh with your fullness of life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to, uh, we're going to sing um, to Jesus.
has risen from the dead and he is that has affected your ability to be close and intimate with God that you recognize you've been holding God at arm's length as it were and you want to come closer to him you want healing you want healing come and receive that or if you'd like prayer for any other uh, situation please come forward so we're just going to carry on playing and waiting on the Lord so please come to receive prayer you're free to go and uh, next door and get coffee. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>